0: What's available to you in this moment is to bring forward the things and aspects of your personality from the past that really succeeded and to develop simultaneously the new things that you need. I think the key word for you is patience married to the persistence, married to the fierce resolve. It's like. If you want to affect a large revolution, it is not done in small, quick bites.
1: Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. We are so glad you're here. Welcome to the Reboot Podcast. I'm Dan Putt. My grandfather lived a tough, tough life. He lost his mother at an early age. He fought in France shortly after D-Day in World War II. It was a POW where he was only 80 or 90 pounds when he was rescued. He lost two kids and his wife before he turned 50. He lost another child before he was 65. And just listing all of that out, filled with sadness for him and a great appreciation for his ability to just survive. I'm also remembering, though, how empty he felt by the time I got to know him. And I wonder if sometimes those major challenges he dealt with again and again in his life, they just took a part of him each time, slowly emptying the aliveness within him. He was incredibly tough, no doubt about it. But I wonder what I can learn from him about resiliency. We talk a ton about resiliency and reboot. And I do wonder, as I deal with my own challenges, if there's a greater resiliency available to me. When I think about my grandfather, he did the best that he could with the resources he had. And I wonder if I have an opportunity to look at these challenges, even though my challenges can't compare to his, but to look at my challenges a bit differently, thanks to being in a different time and having access to an incredibly supportive community. What if resiliency isn't just about survival? just about the ability to get up off the mat, but also about who gets up off the mat. What if a life of challenges and blows can become the means of finding who we are and finding what makes us most feel alive? I've been fortunate to have had a chance to get to know our podcast guest today, Bobby Brannigan, very well. And there's no better word to describe Bobby than resilient. But in his new venture, his second, after a successful exit, is one that is testing him in new ways, including boredom. He's done all he can to recreate the thrill of the first time, and yet he finds himself looking for bigger and bigger challenges. In this conversation recorded in our Boulder office, Bobby and Jerry talk about his journey from the old neighborhood to successfully crossing the river into Manhattan, launching a new company that faces nearly impossible obstacles. Bobby's resiliency the one that helped him grow beyond the old neighborhood, also gives him a chance to learn about and uncover a new Bobby, Bobby the leader. Enjoy.
0: My name is Jillian Moulton, and I'm the VP of People and Talent at JW Player, an online video company. When you are in the seat of Inquiry Council, That is nothing but goodness because you're given the opportunity to really kind of offload, even if you're not saying the right thing, to get it out in the air and then to have people kind of bounce questions off of you is always really effective. So, So it was really nice to be in a group that kind of understood a lot of what we were dealing with, performance management, rapid growth or the results of rapid growth, those kind of things. It was really, I think, good to be in that kind of an
2: environment. I think what the, the type of leader that Reboot is really good for is people who care a lot, but also are very business-focused and so maybe don't allow themselves to have that caring mix enough in their business.
1: Want to experience more conversations like these in your life? Consider joining a Reboot circle. Our circle's participants have called their circle their secret weapon. You'll gain more self-awareness and you'll know you're not alone in the challenges you face day to day. You'll find the same level of self inquiry in a coach facilitated cohort with six other leaders just like you. Apply at reboot.io/slash circles. Hey, Bobby, it's good to see you
0: again. It's, it, I got to tell you that when I saw your face, like my heart just burst because it's just, I've missed you.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. Appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, this is Bobby Bradigan here. I'm the CEO of uh, Mercado. We're an online marketplace for independent grocery stores. We connect grocers with consumers, brands, and suppliers, hmm. and uh, Jerry and I met about three years ago. We got introduced hmm. by uh, Jeff Busking. That's right. Intro. right. Um, so yeah, I really appreciate that intro he made, yeah. which is really nice. Yeah,
0: and we spent a lot of time together. We did a couple of boot camps together, and you know, you're kind of all in on Reboot in some ways. We did some individual coaching, and you've been in some of our peer groups, so you know, uh, you're, you're, you, you drank the Kool-Aid, if
2: yeah, you will. Yeah, definitely the super fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I, I really appreciate your coming in. And, you know, aside from the fact that we're both from Brooklyn, so people don't like our accents, fuck you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what accent? <laughs> but it's just always a delight to see you. I mean, I, I kind of look at you and I sort of feel like I'm looking at my younger brother. So, I, you know, I feel like uh, I remember when we first started connecting and talking, I was like, I remember saying to Allie and Dan, it's like I went to high school with this guy. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I think that's why we get
2: along so well. We come from a similar place. And, you know, that's what I was really looking for, somebody who I, can, I could relate with, who kind of can understand where I came from and yeah. how it might be different from some other people.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, uh, uh. I just often think about that. So, so, you know, you're here today and, and, you know, crazy, you agreed to come on the podcast. Tell me what would be really helpful to talk through today for you and what, what would feel like, uh, all right, I'm with Jerry. So let me talk about this. What, what would be helpful?
2: So I think, it, you know, right now where we're kind of, I'm um, progressing is that, you know, Mercado's growing. We're building the business. Um, I've already kind of, been there, done that with, you know, building a startup, bootstrapping it. Um, and it's not as exciting as it was the first time, you know, where, where we're growing and, um, it just, it just misses that excitement that I would, I would think that it would have. And I'm trying to figure out how to get, you know, that, that, um, you know, first time feeling again.
0: So Just so that we have a little bit more context, because I I know some facts, but I think it might be helpful for folks who are listening to this uh, conversation. You said it's not as exciting as the first time. So so just, you know, briefly, there was a first startup, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And is that what you're referring to when you're talking about the first time?
2: Exactly. So um, my first time was a college textbook company that I started out of my dorm room. Mm-hmm. In my sophomore year of college, we built it over the course of ten years, and then um, in in the tenth year of the company, we scaled it five x. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the things is that you know, building a startup is a very emotional journey. And um, you know, when we really scaled it, you get a real adrenaline rush. I mean, we were we were doing eighteen million in sales, and in a year and a half, we were doing eighty five million in sales. And the feeling is after you do it once, you know, you feel that the next startup you do, you're immediately going to get that that rush again. Mm -hmm. And um, the reality is it takes a little bit of time to learn a new market and to build the right product and and all those things. So, you know, even though you're making progress, that's very reasonable for a company in the stage where, you know, we're at right now, about a year and a half in, um, you still feel like something's missing. Yeah. So that's kind of where that gap is for me right now.
0: Yeah. So so let's just acknowledge something, right? So there's a part of you that kind of understands intellectually what's going on. You you you've you've done enough good work. You've normalized in so many ways what your experience is by, you know, as I've said before, you were in a peer group. You are in a peer group. You know the entrepreneurial journey. You know that there's this roller coaster ride, and with um, the first. Business And it was Valari.
2: Oh, uh, Velour Books.
0: Valore. Yeah. right. Um, see how old I am? I'm forgetting things <laughs> like that. With the first um, experience, there was this rush. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it, but I know that the rush didn't necessarily, it wasn't just a swoop up. That's for sure. <laughs> right. It wasn't up and to the right from the get go, right? It was this crazy ride. Yep. And what I'm hearing, Bobby, is that even though intellectually you know you're you're actually pretty much in the normal zone, it feels like something's missing. So what we're really talking about is an emotional experience.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I mean it's very it's a very emotional journey. You can't help but, you know, kind of um you know, have a lot of expectations and, you know,
0: and kind of ups and downs in a startup. But I think what you're hitting upon, which I imagine a number of people can feel, whether or not they're doing it the first time or they're doing it the second or third or fourth time, is that there's, there's this um, sensibility that without the rush, something is missing. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about that for a moment. That sounds great. Um, how does it feel, and if you want to get a kind of airy fairy or even somatic, how does it feel having, not having that adrenaline rush? It just feels like there's
2: something, there's something missing. And, you know, I feel like as you build a company, you know, you you work really hard and you learn and you feel as though once you've learned, you don't have to learn that again. And, you know, as you, when you reapply the same process, you expect to be able to exponentially grow things, you know, much faster than you did before. So not having that feeling, it just, it, it, it leaves this big, this big gap, which, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but, you know, sometimes I tell myself, I look at things and we're growing very nicely. The business is scaling, we're making deals, we're doing all the right things, Um, but I'm not, you know. Jumping up and down, ecstatic about it, like I was the first time.
0: Yeah. So stay, stay there, stay there in that moment. You know, I'm not jumping up and down, ecstatic the way I was the first time. Did you hear what I just said? Yep. What's wrong with what I just said?
2: That I made it sound. I'm making it sound like the first time I was jumping up and down, ecstatic all the time <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when it was not even close. What's
0: the reality?
2: The reality. It was a decade of punishment and then at the end we had a nice
0: outcome and what was the infamous metaphorical literal experience you're you're driving down the road what happened blacking out you blacked out yeah okay so so um i want to honor what you're sharing here because i think this is super important and again i think a lot of people will relate to it but I want, I want to bring your attention to something that your mind is doing, which is that it's looking backwards and seeing only the positive aspect of that adrenaline rush. This is true, yeah. I'm, a, I'm an optimist. Is it optimism? Because optimism is about the future.
2: Yeah, I guess I, I expect to have only great things happen. Okay. And if they're not happening then I'm, I'm
0: i'm concerned well i i'm i'm curious because it, it it's interesting cuz you said you were talking about the adrenaline rush and it felt and your initial description was as if it was always an ecstatic rush and then i quickly brought you back to this whole experience of except that time you blacked out on the highway and almost died because you were in debt, right? We don't have yeah. to go into the details, but, yeah. you know, there was a struggle. Yeah, yeah. And even though the company was growing, it kind of felt like, my words, not your words, so re- reject them, at the wrong, like the, the tires were flying off the car. Yep. Yeah. Wasn't that great? That wasn't great at all, no. <laughs> so, but but there is actually something powerfully... um attractive about that experience for you that feels like it's missing. Mm-hmm. And what do you think is missing? And, and if we could talk about it, even go back into your body. How did it feel in those old days? Let's call it just before you blacked out, in the months before you blacked out, how did it feel when you'd go into the office in the rushing days.
2: Well, I mean, there was a lot of stress and there always was stress in the beginning. But, you know, the first company I started, it was, you know, we were all friends in college. We got together. We started this company. We were rebels. You know, we were hated in the industry in the beginning because we were. You God, know, I wish people could see your smile because <laughs> you love what
0: you just described yourself as.
2: Yeah. Rebels. We were, yeah. Hated in the industry. We created a lot of change and it was to the benefit of the student. You know, we went into bookstore campuses and the off-campus bookstores didn't like us. And they looked at us as the, the, the company that was hurting their business because the industry was changing. And you loved that. Yeah, it was, it was nice to be a part of a team that was creating change. And, and you, know, previous, you know, previously before the company, I played sports my whole life. And it really still felt like I was on a team where we were huddling up together and we were going, tackling the problem as a team.
0: And what sport did you play? Ice hockey. Ice hockey. Yep. Not just a sport. <laughs> and, yep. you know, I know I know, we've talked about this before. How many people play ice hockey in Brooklyn? Not many at all. Not many at all. <laughs> yeah. Right. So why am I bringing your attention to that, Bobby? So I guess, I, you know,
2: I'm not always focused on the thing that everybody else is doing.
0: You kind of like a couple of things,
1: mm-hmm.
0: being on the edge, being slightly different, the rebel, giving it all, giving it your all, being all in, and being surrounded by people who are all in with you. Yep. Yeah.
2: He just- yeah. And that last point is very important to yeah. me because having other people around me, I think that makes me... That, that makes me really, really excited about what I'm doing because we're all in it together. And just that feeling, the camaraderie of people having each other's backs, um, that's what makes it, the whole moment feel very full.
0: Yeah. So an image just came to my mind. Um, I have a friend who uh, is a um, Iraq war vet. And he was telling me just the other day that he actually misses aspects of being under fire with his buddies about the sense of it being all in every decision. is just like kind of a life and death decision and the sense that, um, We're in this together and we're fighting against odds.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, for me, I think that with my first startup, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, I feel as though I've made it, I made it through some really, really tough times was because of the team. But more importantly, because, you know, I I didn't want to disappoint other people and, you know, I really value, you know, kind of people's word. Mm-hmm. And if I give somebody my word, it's very important for me to back that word. Mm-hmm. Know, maybe it's a neighborhood that we grew up in, but mm-hmm. you know,
0: your well, in our your neighborhood bond. in Brooklyn, right. If if you broke your bond, your word is your bond. And if you broke your bond, there was trouble to be had.
2: Exactly. So for me, you know, in the beginning it was a little bit hard to kind of make promises to the team because in the beginning when you start a company, you got to convey that vision. You got to sell everybody else in that team. So what I was doing in the beginning is I would pitch to them what I be- believe would happen with the company. And once I pitched that to the team, that created this binding effect, like creating super resilience. Mm-hmm. And the reason was is because, all right, maybe sometimes if I promise something to myself, maybe I won't do it. Yeah. But if I promise something to somebody else, nothing is going to stop me. Yeah. And having a team around you where you know that I promised them and they believe in me and we believe in each other. That, I mean, it's extremely powerful.
0: And uh, I'm imagining that's part of what you miss.
2: Yeah, I think so. And it's it's not only part of that, but it's, you know, this time around, expectations are that we're going to succeed. There's no doubt that we're going to succeed. So we're on this journey, growing the business, just going to be successful.
0: So what's missing?
2: I mean, it's for me honestly. It's one of these things that's very hard to say because I've I've picked a very hard opportunity to be successful at, Mm -hmm. and many people have tried what I'm doing and have failed. Many people are scared to go after this opportunity. There's a lot of complexities. It's a small margin business, Um, so it's not that the opportunity isn't hard. It's that I think the team believes that we have a superpower of resilience. And when you're resilient, you're eventually going to win. We proved, we proved it last time. So we feel so confident that we're going to prove it this time. And we really don't have much doubt in our minds. We just feel as though it's a matter of time. And being on a journey where you just feel like it's a matter of time. And I feel like I couldn't have picked something much harder than what I've picked. But it still is not exciting because it feels like success is going to be a given.
0: Okay, so so what I'm hearing you say, and you tell me how this lands with you, you picked one of the hardest markets to launch a business in. And it hasn't created enough risk for you to feel exciting enough. Even though having watched you over the last few years and witnessed your journey, one of the things you spent time in was building that sense of resiliency within the team.
2: Mm-hmm. That's definitely true.
0: Right? So you put this effort into building a resilient team by bringing everybody together around a purpose and creating a sense of bond and creating, in a sense, a sense of expectation of success. And what it sounds like is missing is the very real possibility of failure. And that uh, without that possibility of failure, it doesn't feel, quote, as exciting. Have yes. I named it?
2: I mean, that's a good point. I guess it doesn't feel as alive.
0: It doesn't feel as alive. So if I'm not on the edge, because that's the joke that I would often use with you, right? If I'm not pushing it, it's not alive.
2: Yeah, I think that's a, it's a great point. I mean you know, with the last company, there were so many situations that, you know, 99.9% of people would have expected our team to fail. And we persevered, all these situations. So, you know, we can't, it's hard to foresee how that, you know, any of these situations could be much harder than they were before. We had no experience before. We had no money before. We had very, we had next to no network. We're just a bunch of renegade college kids at a small school near Buffalo and we built a eighty five million dollar business, right? So how how could we fail this time? I mean, we're very conscious of the funds we have in the bank. We know how much we spend, so we understand what our lifeline is. You know, we build very carefully. We keep our burn, you know, overall very low. So I guess it doesn't have that that less the last time around the, it, the the risk. Yeah, made it so exciting. Yeah. As we won every time people thought we
0: wouldn't. Yeah. Whereas there's something really, I mean, again, you use the word renegade, which relates back to the word rebel. And you paint yourself as this ragtag team of unexpected victors. And you're smiling again, (laughs) because you love that image. (laughs) You love that image, it powers you, it creates, it gives you a sense of aliveness. And one of the consequences and, and and by the way, I'm not hearing an arrogance, and I'm not hearing like you're super confident that you're creating another multi billion dollar exit. I'm not hearing that. I'm hearing a sense of missing. Uh, as I said before, the possibility of failure. Bobby, since Since we know each other well, and I know a little bit of the answer to my question i'm 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 leading the witness a little bit, so forgive me for this. but in your heart of hearts, what is the consequence of failure in its most extreme place? I guess, you know, is the disgrace disgrace
2: of you know you the fear of having people look at you. As though you couldn't accomplish what you thought you could accomplish.
0: So, and and you know, in 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 my parlance, going back to the neighborhood, right? Even though we actually grew up in different parts of Brooklyn, we grew up close enough for us to be able to say the neighborhood. Yeah. Right. And I hope people are picking up my Brooklyn accent, on that, <laughs> right? In my experience, I grew up. With most people not escaping the neighborhood. Who are you to think you can get out of the neighborhood? You just smiled. <laughs> you know what I mean.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, growing up in New York, you, you drive down the BQE at Brooklyn, night,
0: Queens Expressway. Brooklyn, <laughs> the,
2: and you see the landscape of Manhattan. Yeah. And you grow up in Brooklyn, which... I guess it's kind of the renegade to New York City to Manhattan, yeah. right? Yeah. And you say to yourself, when you're a kid, one day
0: I'm going to live in the city.
2: I'm going to live in the city, and I'm right. going to be right. You know, right?
0: Big. For people who don't know New York, growing up in Brooklyn, Manhattan is the city.
2: Yep, exactly.
0: Right. Even though anybody in the United States who lands in Brooklyn <laughs> looks at Brooklyn and says, "That's the that's city. a city. It's not a city. No. <laughs> that's not the city. Manhattan's the city."
2: city. Exactly. So when you, when you grow up and you see this and you see the Manhattan landscape and you see these, you know, beautiful buildings lit up and it's so grand and you can feel the power of, you know, the energy of the city, it drives you to want to get there.
0: Yeah. And so what's missing now?
2: To have that city to get to.
0: To have the city to get to.
2: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Right. So, so. And the risk of not getting there. Exactly. Even though the failure of not getting there is shame and humiliation. Who the fuck are you to think you can make it to the city? You can't make it over the river. You're not going to get over that river.
2: Exactly. And I already did that. And I did it. Been there, done that.
0: Been there, done that. You landed in the city and what did you discover?
2: That I really enjoyed building companies, and I wanted to do it again. And I like getting to over the river, <laughs> getting over the river. Yeah, At that's true.
0: Almost more than being over. The
2: river. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that's, that that you know drove me through my childhood. You know, you grow up, and you know, growing up in Brooklyn, it's all it's very much about being tough too, right? And yep. And one of the analogies they have is, what are you, a cream puff? People would say, oh, you're getting soft. Look at Uh, you.
0: uh, Okay. You just used the word cream puff. Okay. When I was growing up, we didn't use the word cream puff. Okay. But go ahead.
2: All right. So they make that analogy. What are you getting soft? Right. So in Brooklyn, you grow up. It's all about being tough, about being hard, about, you know, making
0: it. And how do you show that you're tough? Is it by being in the city
2: It's by fighting to get there.
0: By fighting to get there. Yeah. So what Bobby's missing is fighting to get there. Okay. Now let's drop the mic on you. Okay. You ready? Yeah. You got to the city when you sold Valar. Yeah. What happened with the money?
2: So I invested in more startups, about 20 startups. And then I invested the rest in my company.
0: And you're back on the other side of the river trying to get over the river. And <laughs> no, my no, no in- Now I'm living in Manhattan. <laughs> I live in Madison Park now. Okay. Am I talking about literally living there? <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. What literally. am I
0: talking about?
2: You're talking about building a startup to get back over the river again right. and become successful. In
0: yet. order for you to feel right... You have to be back. You gotta take yourself back to Bensonhurst or 18th Avenue. So that you can then look at the city on the other from the from the heights of the BQE and say, I'm gonna get there again. Even though you live in there.
2: Yeah, and we've talked about this before and 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 in terms of me getting to the point where I can unleash my superpowers and deep, strong, strategic thinking, you know, it's, it's about me getting myself in a corner because once I get in a corner, that's when I unleash the power. So even with this company, what I did is I I went all in and And put yourself into a corner. I put myself into a corner because I, I, when I'm in that spot, it becomes very powerful.
0: Right. Right. So what, what feels like is going on is there's a missing of the fight. There's a missing to get there.
2: But the question is, is that should I be going there? The way things are going right now, are very it's a very great position that I'm in. You know, I believe that soon will exponentially grow and everything's going to be rosy and great. But there is that kind of that gap. But do I need to adjust the way that I think? Do I need to evolve? Is it, is it about getting back to Brooklyn and trying to fight to get over the bridge again? Maybe I have to change my way of thinking a little bit. That's just what I struggle with.
0: Okay, so who are you talking to? You're talking to Jerry. <laughs> what do you think Jerry's going to say to you about that response? What would Jerry, because you've worked with me long enough to you know that I live inside something your
2: something deeply rooted here that I have to
0: Yeah, and there's, and there's a benefit. So, 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 so let's talk about that transformation because you said, do I have to evolve? And you put it out there as a kind of rhetorical question But it's in fact a really powerful question because what I just saw you do is sort of see your life a little bit more clearly, which is I can put myself back on the other side of the East river fighting to get into Manhattan or I can evolve. What does it mean to be successful? What does it mean to get into the city?
2: It means to, you know, reach a point of happiness and satisfaction and contentment with your life.
0: Great. That sounds politically correct and super <laughs> astute. The concern I have, and this this goes in some ways to this the, the whole question of uh, the root of transformation, how do we transform? And we've talked enough and people have talked enough, uh, you know, on the podcast about the ways in which our habitual patterns formed in childhood show up. And so there's Bobby at 10, looking across the river and replicating that into his adulthood. And now here's Bobby saying there's a kind of, and this is a beautiful word, I think, for this kind of a moment, the ennui. Ennui is a French word, and it means, is that all there is? That's it? I landed in the city and that's it?
1: Huh?
2: Yeah, I mean, as they say, the journey is what it's all
0: about, right? Right. And so we can say, we can sort of externally impose or or, or impose a kind of intellectually correct point of view and say, oh, namaste, I'm going to be this big, this beautifully evolved Buddhist, and I'm going to refine my expectations of success. Yes. And if we try to do transformation from just that place without understanding the roots of our structures, we will fail. And what I mean by that is there is something compelling and beautiful in the Bobby as a renegade, Bobby as a rebel. Yeah.
2: And if, that's a really important point because, you know, we, we met when I was in the transitional phase. Yes. And I was Between trying Between
0: the old startup and the new and startup. And the
2: new startup. And it wasn't even a new startup yet. I was actually contemplating, you know, do Just I open a investor. coffee shop in yep. San Diego? Do I become yep. an investor? Yep. Do I go work for a big company or, you know, what are the different routes that I could take? That's right. And then, And then, you know, I found that I really enjoyed building, creating. And when I looked at the opportunity I wanted to go after, I, I really looked inside and said, where am I talented? You know, where is my passion? And the one thing that I realized is that, you know, I'm like an entrepreneur Navy SEAL. Like, you can't kill me. I might as well go after something that's really hard because that's part of my strength is my resilience. Yes. I am not the smartest person in the
0: world, but maybe I'm one of the most resilient. So, 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 but to go back to this point of transformation for a moment, I hear you defining yourself that, and I see you that. I remember looking at you and saying, this is a guy who come hell or high water, will figure out a way to make money. For sure. And I, I've told you this before. You remind me of my grandfather, Dominic Guido, who built an ice delivery company in Brooklyn. Right. And 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 I don't think there's a higher compliment I can give somebody than to say they remind me of my grandfather, Dominic. Idle. Thank you. <laughs> OK. But the point I want to make is this. This notion of yourself as a renegade, this notion of yourself as a Navy SEAL, this notion of yourself as being pushed to the edge and being able to survive, it gives you something. It gives you something really important. And if you were to just look at the challenge that you come to me with today, which is a kind of bored ennui. Okay, so we may not be a billion-dollar company, but we're going to succeed enough. And that's kind of not enough for you. You come with that question. Unless you are able to meet the need, the emotional need, that is met by seeing yourself as the Navy SEAL renegade rebel who will persist come hell or high water. Unless you meet that need, you will not be satisfied with whatever reframing of the word success you come up with. However we redefine getting to the city or being in the city, however we redefine that intellectually, won't be sufficient because you still need to be Bobby from the neighborhood who come hell or high water can succeed.
2: Yeah. And that's a dangerous spot to be in because, you know, I I look at that as my greatest strength as an entrepreneur and, you know, kind of leaning into that and playing my strength. I mean, it's my strength, but it's not the most enjoyable you know, just kind of getting beaten down all the time and being perseverant.
0: That's right. So what you're, what you're identifying is, it's great that I can identify this aspect of me. And as I see that, I see that there is actually some negative consequences of that. And this goes back to this earlier point of when you look backwards over your life and you think of the Velar days as this sort of heyday of your life. Oh, right. I forgot. I blacked out as I was driving down the road right? The danger of looking backwards with that nostalgic rose-colored glasses and not seeing the totality and carrying that forward is we run the risk of repeating structures that actually don't serve us. Mm -hmm. Because the thing that really needs to be met, the need that needs to be met, is Bobby needs to know what. He can get the fuck out of the neighborhood When he wants. He can get back to the neighborhood and connect with all those people that really mean so much to him. But he's not trapped. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah, I mean, it certainly does. I mean, you know, Springsteen's Born to Run comes to mind. Maybe this town rips the bones from your back.
2: Yeah, and and the, and the crazy part of this is too is this. This is where my power is derived, Time right? This renegade nature, yeah, gives me this power, right. and it's something that I grasp, to, you know, to kind of hold tight to, because I value it. That's where my my self identity comes from, right? Is is, is having this power. Right, so it's very really, really good to think about
0: this. But 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 I think what you what you're seeing is that that knife, if that power is symbolized by a knife, remember that you can grab the knife either by the handle or by the blade. And if you grab it by the blade, it's going to cut your fingers. There's a negative aspect of this power, right? And that's the thing to remember. And so to work with the negative energy of that means to be able to extract from the experience, what is it that's re- that it really gives you? What, is it, what does it feel like when you say to yourself, I am a Navy SEAL, I am a renegade, I am a rebel?
2: It's, it's, you know, for me, it's really the, you know, kind of the root of my confidence
0: it's as a person. It's what makes you feel confident.
2: Yeah, that's, this is where my confidence is. It's what I, you know, believe in. You know, what, in terms of what I'm made of. It's what I'm made of.
0: So the work of transformation is to find the things, the other things besides risk that give you a sense of confidence. Now, without going into the details, you've got a second business mm-hmm. that's generating some cash for you. Yeah, that's correct. You've made some investments. So how are those investments doing? Most are doing really well. So you're probably going to make some money on those investments. That's for sure, yeah. So isn't it interesting that those could be a source of confidence? Hey, maybe I know what I'm doing. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. See, I think that if you go into this question of being bored and wanting to transform, bored is my word you never actually use that word so i want to acknowledge that being in this place of not feeling the same level of excitement as you did the first time if you go into that question merely from a place of why and what's missing without understanding what it is your soul is really seeking Then I think you'll miss the opportunity to grow. Mm -hmm. You used a word before. Do you remember this word? Aliveness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, now you're smiling again. Mm -hmm.
2: You know, because, you know, I thought about the different routes I can go before I started this, my next company. And, you know, one of them was that, you know, do I become a professional angel investor? if That's a thing. And that
0: our mutual friend Jason Calcanis is that yeah, yeah, exactly yeah yeah
2: yeah and um, you know and I, I've learned a lot about angel investing and I made a lot of really good investments I invested with Jason in a couple of deals and that's doing really well I'm making you know a very nice income there and that portfolio is growing but for me that doesn't give me the fulfillment that I want mm-hmm. in my days mm-hmm. you know I enjoy being you know that that soldier on mm-hmm. a mission. Mm -hmm. waking up every morning and having a mission that I'm passionate about with my team Mm -hmm. and going to battle. Mm -hmm. And maybe one day, I don't know, but maybe one day I'll be okay with being a more, you know, passive uh, investor Mm -hmm. entrepreneur. But you know, today I like, I like the battle. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I agree with you. It is important to probably try to understand better, you know, about why am I gravitating towards this? What is the derivative of what's driving me in this direction,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and at this stage in your life, how old are you? Thirty-eight. Right. So you're you're looking down the barrel at forty. Yep. Yeah. It's coming up, man. Yep. Yeah. Can you believe that? Yeah. <laughs> it's a big number. <laughs> yeah, it is. Right. And um, you know, we talked briefly before we we started recording about the idea of you. Um, you know, your wife is going to graduate school. Yeah, in May. In May. Yeah. And that you have some life decisions to make about where you're going to live and how you're going to live. And,
2: and making babies.
0: And maybe making babies. <laughs> By the way, Jerry is a perfectly acceptable name for either gender <laughs> or for, for... We'll keep that in Whichever mind. gender someone we wants <laughs> to identify as, right? So keep that in mind. Um. So as you think about that, maybe... Maybe what we do is we expand the field of inquiry from how do I use this startup to get to the city to how do I use my life to create the city that works for me?
2: And I think, you know, what I'm trying to get to with this business, I want to be in a position where I can really create change, change in a market that I care about, Um, you know, positive change to neighborhoods and how they're developing Um, change for people that that work for the company and enjoying what they do every day. And, you know, I think that's that's part of the mission here is it's not about building a big company for a big company's sake and to make a lot of money it's about it's about creating all this change and the fulfillment that i'll you know I'll be getting from that is going to be amazing that I can foresee in that and I had um you know the kind of uh the pleasure of um seeing Jack Dorsey speak the other day and I saw that energy that he had and and I thought I want to be in that position a few years from now where I have tell me tell me what you saw in his energy you know he he I was at a, a, a partner's conference for square in Vegas, and he was speaking very authentically about the company and the mission and the change, you know, that, that square wants to create in the world, you know, for entrepreneurs that build their own business. Um, and it aligns so much with what I want to build mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and empowering them, um, to compete with these big chains and these, you know, billion dollar companies. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, having the ability to strategically form a vision and to to help direct the company on that large of a scale mm-hmm. and to help people, you know, who work with the company um, be successful and happier. And the people who work for the company, mm-hmm. you know, also feel like they're doing the best work of their life. Overall, I can sense what a feeling that must be to be in that kind of position, because with the last company... I scaled it and, you know, and then I left the company.
0: Right. So, so step back into the Jack Dorsey that you w- might want to be as that person exists in you. W- tell me again, what does it mean to be the rebel and renegade? Meaning what aspect of Jack on the stage that you saw is a rebel and a renegade? connect to that
2: is that he's you know backing the individual the entrepreneur who has their back to the wall Mm -hmm. and he's backing hundreds of thousands of them and creating software but not just not just software he's creating an ecosystem Mm -hmm. and this marketplace they're building to just Mm -hmm. empower all these retailers Mm -hmm. it's amazing Mm -hmm. because it's not about just what their company is going to do it's about with You know, them integrating with the rest of the world of technologies that can help these businesses survive and thrive. Mm -hmm. And it's even more, you know, even more powerful than the individual entrepreneurs that he's helping. He's, you know, with that company, he's helping preserve communities. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you see the world going into these, you know, corporate generic chains and, you know, people working there and not maybe enjoying what they do as much. You know, it loses the authenticity sometimes when the companies are really big. So, you know, I really I admire kind of that position where, you know, creating an, an software that enables people to live a more authentic life and have more
0: authentic communities. Stay right there. How alive do you feel?
2: I feel very alive right now. Look at that. Yeah.
0: Okay. Let's go back to Jack for a moment. Mm-hmm. It's Brooklyn, one side of the East River, mm-hmm. the city, the other side of the East River. Where is that Jack? Is he in Brooklyn? The single lone rebel renegade, maybe with a bunch of friends from high school?
2: Not at all. I mean, he's in the city.
0: <laughs> but which city is he in? He's in a city that's different.
2: He's creating a new city. He's creating He's creating,
0: he's creating his own city. See, I can relate to this. We stood on the edge of Brooklyn, on the edge of Long Island, and we looked across that East River, and we said, "Our lives, our future are there." This life that I am living, this isn't enough for me. I'm going to go there, and then we get there, and it's not enough. It's not enough. You're smiling. Your eyebrows. You. You know what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah. And then you get a glimpse of Jack, and you see at Jack up there, and you say, he's created an ecosystem. He's created a world. He's trying to preserve community. And you feel alive when you connect to that. Yes, that's true. And, you know, I think
2: part of my frustration now is that in the early stages of the company you can't go as fast as you'd like and you see that change that you want to create and you're not creating it now i want to create it now i don't want to wait the world is changing right so you know you know entrepreneurs are you know you know gaining a disadvantage to the big companies that you know in the market and you know having this big vision of you know the operating system for the independent food retailer that's what I want to be building. But in the beginning, building marketplaces are hard, you know, and the, you know, I just gave a, a talk on this at Jason's Festival. It takes time in the building, in the beginning, to get that traction with a marketplace. So, you know, I'm owning that. I understand that this is a situation, but it almost feels like I'm playing the waiting game that I well, must play.
0: So, so there's this tension because the Navy SEAL Rebel Renegade wants to go in there now. But there's actually a matured Bobby, a second time around Bobby, who realizes that if I'm going to build this larger ecosystem like Jack, if I'm going to take on this larger mission than just this small seize this hill, I actually have to be patient.
2: Exactly. Exactly. And in that, it creates anxiety a little bit because it's not so easy sometimes to be patient. You know, you can be wise and rational and try to be as patient as you can. But something inside you is like, I got to get there now. How is, can I think of a better route to get there? Because, you know, one of the things I learned from my last company, and I, and I learned a lot of this from working with you and your team, is that got to really think about the things you spend your time on. And you got to be really thoughtful in how you do stuff and how you work with people and how you lead the team. Mm. And, you know, in my last company, 95% of my time I spent doing the wrong thing. And this time around, I'm trying to make that 5% the 95%. I'm trying to flip the table, right? Right. And everything I do, I'm trying to make it, you know, really meaningful. And in business, there's always power moves you can make. There's always a a a better chess move that could be made. So, you know, I'm relentlessly thinking about where is it a better chess move? Who can I partner with? Mm -hmm. How can I optimize Mm -hmm. in some way or another with the business, right? How can I motivate the team? Um, So I do hold a lot of that burden on myself to find that special strategic move Mm -hmm. that can open up the floodgates because... I did find that with the last company. I mean, we went from 18 million to 85 million in in 18 months. And it didn't take, you know, 18 months to figure it out. It was an aha moment Mm -hmm. where we figured it out. And when the market started asking us for our product and we weren't trying to sell it to them anymore, Mm -hmm. that was the moment. So I'm very much trying to create this epiphany Mm -hmm. of how do I, how do I, you know, approach
0: the market in a way where the whole market's coming to me? So I'm I'm going to give you advice on this moment in time. This is a beautiful growth edge moment for you. For my friend Bobby. Cuz my Bobby, my Bobby. You see how paternalistic <laughs> you I sound feel like my mom, my Bobby. Hey. What's available to you in this moment is to bring forward the things and aspects of your personality from the past that really succeeded and to develop simultaneously the new things that you need. So you said you want to flip that ratio where 95% of the things you're doing are things that were, that really enhance and grow the company. Mm-hmm. I think the key word for you, Bobby, is patience married to the persistence, married to the fierce resolve. It's like, if you want to affect a large revolution, it is not done in small, quick bites. That's a fact. Right? See, the Navy SEAL in you, it's interesting that you're focused on the Navy SEAL because they tend to be focused on singular missions, What if you as CEO was not the Navy SEAL? What if what it was, was you built a team of Navy SEALs? You see what I mean?
2: Exactly. Yeah. There's a kind of a conflict here because I'm talking about being a master chess player and a Navy SEAL simultaneously. Exactly. It's a little bit hard to do.
0: That's right. What you're talking about is being both the admiral commanding the Navy SEALs and the SEAL itself, the singular SEAL.
2: Yeah, but the reality is, as an early-stage startup, you got to kind of have to be both.
0: But you're not 25 anymore. This is a fact. And this is not your first time in yeah. the rodeo. <laughs> yeah. Right? Exactly. And what you're trying to do is, is, is build something that is longer-lasting and larger in impact. And so you have to—and this is the hard growth edge for you as a leader— right you have to simultaneously be patient and go fast <laughs> and that's really fucking hard yeah right but you like hard challenges exactly right this is the hardest challenge of your professional career it is it's how do hard. i go sl- how do i stay patient while i go fast exactly Good luck with that. Tell us when you come back on the show and tell us when you've succeeded and figured it out. <laughs> just kidding. Hopefully not too long. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for coming on the show. It's, um, I said to you before that I know that people will just relate to you and relate to your story. And we weren't sure where this conversation was going to go, but I think it's gone in some really powerful ways. So thank you for, uh, sharing. And thank you for being you, Bobby.
2: Thank you, Jerry. I really appreciate it. Yeah. This has been great.
1: If you enjoyed this episode, go to reboot.io slash podcast to listen to all three seasons of our podcast conversations and leave us a review on iTunes. That's the best way for other people to find and enjoy the show just as you have done. And don't forget to join our mailing list at reboot.io slash sign up so you never miss an episode. Thank you for listening. a critical mistake that entrepreneurs make is not thinking about their board of directors early enough. And this is why we created Reboot Your Board, a four-day self-guided practical skills course all about managing your board via the wisdom of Jerry, Fred Wilson, and Brad Feld. Now this course is for any company of any size, including those who haven't yet taken investment. And over the course of four days worth of rich, content, we take you through the practical challenges of growing and developing a high functioning board. The board relationship doesn't have to be a challenge. In fact, it can be one of the most rewarding aspects of a leadership journey. And when done well, the board CEO partnership can help each party grow and become the best possible person they can be. Be sure to get started on our Reboot Your Board course at Rebootyourboard.com.